0: Well, good morning, church. My name is Austin. I am one of the pastors here, and we are um, excited to, <clears throat> sorry, uh, to launch this series called "This Is Us," and really in this story um, about who we are as a church. So, like, if somebody would come to ask you an existential question, like, have, have you ever been asked an existential question, and you're just like, I don't know, like. Everybody has, right? So when you're in elementary school, they like say write an auto- autobiography about who you are, right? So you can share with the class. Or if you're in college and or like you're in, um, um, applying for colleges, right? You have to uh, part of that essays are like write about who you are. Who are you? What do you what's a what do you, what are you about, right? And then for interviews, right? You know you ask those questions like the classic question. So who are you? Where do you see yourself in five years? Right? Like, all of us are like, I don't know, like, hanging out. You know, I never thought I'd be in Seattle five years ago. But we're here. Right? So these questions, and then even, like, as a church, the question is like, when you ask, hey, what do you do on Sunday? Well, I go to church. Well, what church do you go to? Pine Lake. Well, what's that about? Like, that question is like, (laughs) Depending on how long you've been here, you're like, I can't answer that question. Or you, like, start listing off everything that you have known over the last 30 years. Or 40 years, depending on how long you've been. But this question, like, this is us, is like that existential question. Like, who are we in the past? Who are we now? And who are we going to be? And so we are just so excited uh, to join and to to think about this week. Um, And one of the things that we were, um, as a staff, at is, like, Mark is really good at asking existential questions. Like, we're sitting down as a staff down at Pine Lake Park on Monday when it was beautiful, around the water. We're sitting there, and he asks this question. So in in something in the past or present— Something that you've gone through or going through that really shapes you and made you who you are today. Go. Like every one of you right now, like if we ask that question, you'd be like, oh. mm -hmm." Maybe some of you like have it right now. Maybe you have that thing right now, but maybe you're thinking about it. Um, I remember like that question. I was like, hmm, I had to think about it. And as everybody is like silent, right, I'm the person that's like, I can't handle the silence. And so I just start talking. Like, and all of a sudden I start talking and I start listing these things. And they're like, hey, Austin, we asked for one thing. One thing, not 17, not your whole life. But really as a church, we're deciding like, who are we gonna be? Who is this movement that we are as Pine Lake Covenant Church that has been lasted, has lasted over the last 40 years, and we pray that happens in the next 40 years. This is us. This is who we are. This is who we're gonna be. This is us. And so as we do that, let's look at God's uh, word this morning. If you want to open up to 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3, verse 16. We're just going to sit in this little verse this morning um, and talk about it as well. And we're centering around this idea that t- we are, as a church, if this is us, if we are people of God's word, we are about transformation over information. We're transformation over information. So let's look at... Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. It says this, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. I'm going to read that again. All Scripture is breathed out by God. And it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. This is the word of God this morning. Will you pray with me? Father, we are seeking you this morning. We are asking you to show up. God, some of us have come in this place um, full. God, and your worship and our worship to you has overflowed our cup. God, some of us are dry. Some of us, um, as Mark was pouring that water, God, our hope is that we wish we could have that much love poured into our lives. And so, God, wherever we are at this morning, got I pray that we would remind ourselves that you are faithful in your word, that you are faithful in your being by sending the Holy Spirit. God, you are faithful in this moment as you have every moment since you breathe life into us. So, God, come. Send your Holy Spirit. We are your people. This is your church. Amen. So... My relationship with the Word was uh, kind of weird. I'll let you know a little bit. I grew up in the South in Texas, and so growing up in the Bible Belt, like we had this phrase that I don't know if you grew up with it. It hit up here in the Pacific Northwest. But we had this thing that our church always asked us to do. From youth pastors to pastors to children's pastors, they're like, if you are a good Christian, you need to have your daily quiet time, right? And so as like an eight-year-old, I was like, who doesn't like to be quiet? Like, you need to sit there and be quiet and read your Bible and be with Jesus. And I was like, what in the world? But as high school came along, I was like, uh, I think I want to be a good Christian. I, like, I really want to be a good Christian. And so if I've been hearing this for years, I guess the thing that I need to do is to get in my Bible. Right, and so I had decided that I was going to, um, for that whole year, I was just going to start in the Gospels and go go through the New Testament, and every day I would read one chapter, starting in Matthew one, right? The word, like, right? You hear the genealogies of Jesus. That's the terrible chapter to start with, right? You're like, you can't even pronounce half of them, and you're like, Ugh. I made it through. I made it through. I didn't get through. But like every day, like I would, I would write down uh, the chapter, the date, what I had read, and what I think, you know, God was uh, saying through it. And then I would pray. And I'd write a little journal of prayer. And then every day I would keep doing that. But then what happens usually? Attrition. <laughs> right? Like all of a sudden, like when you're marking the date on there to see like what day it is so you can go and look back. And then all of a sudden you're like, huh? Huh? And a month passed and you're like, ooh, dang. Right? Or for some of us, it's like two months. Or for some of us, you get up that, that, that journal that you've been doing, and you started it, and it's brand new, and it still looks brand new, but you've had it for two years, and you had one entry in it, and then nothing else. You're a really bad Christian. I'm just kidding. Like, I felt that, though. Like, I felt like you have the date, and any date that you've missed, you're like, oh, man, I've missed it. Right? And that's the the thing that I just felt that pressure to have my daily quiet time, to really feel like my relationship with the Word was something that I needed to do daily, every day, in order to be a good Christian. But the truth is, like, our relationship with the with the Word of God, like what we're saying right now, and the way that we've looked at it in the past, our relationship with God's Word is never meant to be a checklist. And that's how i like—and maybe you feel that maybe you feel like your relationship with it is a checklist, and that when you get into God's word, and when you hear this, like, um, you hear this scripture, that it's like, it's profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, or training. And maybe the only thing that you think about on those is either Bible studies, youth group, you know, church here, or like at home, like when you get in trouble, and your parents like, like speak scripture in your life, and you're like, oh dang, right? Like, And and for me, that was it. Like, the checklist was to gain information so that when I went to church, when I went to youth group, when I was in small groups, that I had the answer to it. Right? When I went to school and people were like, you're a Christian, like, what do you think about this? I needed to answer— And so to checklist, I had to go through and know everything that I needed to know in order to prove that I knew about God and who was it that could prove my relationship. And so it becomes this place of checklists, check a checklist, like reproof, correction, and teaching. Like we have gotten to this place in our culture where information is the pinnacle of all uh goals. The more you know, the more important you are, or the more that you know, the more successful you are, the more you know the positions of leadership are in. These places, like even right now, like I have to, one of the requirements, you know, for, for me applying for this job was that I had my master's in divinity, right, or that I was ordained in the covenant church, like that I had to have enough information in my brain that was checked off the list so that I could lead a church, like, even today in the church, we have been so sucked up by this idea that information, and especially when it comes to the Word of God, it is everything. And maybe you've been doing that too. Like, even this morning, you're coming here, it's like, I need to accomplish this morning is learning more about the Word of God, about who God is, about Jesus, about the Holy Spirit, about this Christian life, so that I might either earn God's favor—this thing is bothering me today— earn God's favor, keep my salvation. Like, that was a ton of my stuff. Like, I wanted to check off the list to be a good Christian so that I could get into heaven. Anybody there? You're reading your Bible still so that you earn it, so you don't lose your salvation, so you don't lose that ticket that gets you out of jail free card. That's the list that I've been, that I'm checking off every day as I was raised. And and that's what we do still today. Like maybe some of you are like, that's the reason like you haven't been in it lately, is because you feel that shame that like, man, my relationship with the word, like if I get in it, it's going to be reproof. It's going to be testing. It's going to be correcting all the things that I've done wrong. I just don't want to get into that anymore. Like I feel that with you. I'm there with you. But I also think within the word that we have been currently sitting in, if not only are we elevating information over transformation, I think we're also having a checklist. Is that as we read the the word of God, that we've weaponized it. That we've weaponized the word of God, that we have a checklist of whatever we believe a Christian should be. Like our understanding of what Christianity should look like is, is in our checklist, and what we're doing with the Word of God is we're checking off the places that the Word of God approves the, what we believe and where we believe. And so we have come to the Word of God with our own checklist of who Christ is, what the, what Christianity means, and we are looking at our life and making sure that the text affirms the way that we are living. And so wherever that means for you, whatever it means for us, that you're using the, the church, not, I'm not saying you, we, we as the broader church have weaponized it to affirm what we believe. And whatever that means for us, it means for you. That if the checklist for you is, man, I just, am, I believe in conservative Christianity. Or the checklist for me is progressive Christianity. Or for us, it's the historical um, theology that we are all in discerned agreement on. Or I'm actually not so sure about all these things. And so my checklist is that we um, aren't sure figuring out these. We're still figuring out this together. Whatever you believe is being checked against the word of God. That the information that we receive on what we believe or what whoever says Christianity looks like, Whoever's your top podcast is, whoever's your top preacher, whoever's your go-to author, whatever is your go-to musician and whatever they believe, what you're doing is you're taking that checklist of whoever they say Christianity to believe. And what you're doing is you're putting that up in your convictions. And then you were sitting with the word of God and we're saying, hey, does the word of God affirm the way that I'm living? It's the place that we live in as the church. It's often what I hear from my non-Christian friends is that there's such a widespread look of what Christianity looks like. And for me, I'm saying that that's a good thing, but what they're saying is, is a bad thing because what happened is we've weaponized it, the word of God, against each other. And one of the things that I love about this church, the one thing I love about the covenant church is that we have been committed as a denomination to say we're not going to weaponize We can sit together with people from the left and the right. We can sit together with people in tension who have a thought about women in ministry or not in ministry or baptism of babies and baptism of adults. We said we're going to sit together. We're not going to use the Word of God to affirm what we believe that is different than every other one and say we have the corner of authority on Scripture and what everybody else believes is wrong. We say we can sit in together. We're better together. We're going to find this middle way of this tension and church, that's who we started as 40 years ago, and that's who we are today. And I believe that's the goodness that we are coming to you as a church, that this is us, that we are actually better together when we sit together from people from both sides who look at the word of God and say, what does the word of God say? And let's live in tension together. We're better together. It's better to find this middle way and doing it together to say that the breath of God's church and how it looks is the beauty that God's grace can both cover the conservative and the progressive. That God's grace and love and mercy is for all, for the Gentile and the Jew. Talk about a hot topic back in the day of Jesus. That you let Gentiles in? Thank goodness Jesus let Gentiles in because you and I wouldn't be here. You and I wouldn't be here if the Pharisees and the Sadducees got their way and said, this is what I believe Scripture says, and y'all are out. This is the inheritance that we believe in the Word of God. And so as we talk about it today, the question is, what do we do? Who are we? If this is us, if we are saying that we are more um, concerned about transformation than information— If we are more concerned about looking at the word of God and being transformed by it, than being informed by it only, I think there's a couple things that we need to look at. We need to step away from our triggers in this text that says reproof, correction. It feels like a rule. We need to sit in a text that says that you don't miss, that it says, God, all scripture is God breathed. There's a couple instances where God has breathed life into existence at creation, standing before the voidless nothingness that existed While he stood there, he breathed life, and out of his mouth, galaxies, stars, planets, gravity, things came into existence because he breathed it into life. That life existed because he opened his mouth and he breathed out life. Think about that. That scripture is God breathed the same power that God stood before nothingness and could breathe in The same thing is this. The power that God spoke into life and existence says, all Scripture has that same power. The same power that it breathed life, that it breathed life into existence. But also in the other one, we're in the season of Pentecost, and one of the most amazing things is, is that after Jesus had died and was resurrected, His best friends were shut up, holed up in a house, scared to death of what might have happened to him. Jesus walks through the wall. They're freaked out. And he says, do not fear. And instead of just do not fear, what he did was he breathed on the Holy Spirit to them. Trembling fear, anxiety, depression about whatever had gone on to their best friend. Breathe. Life was breathed into them and onto them. And the anxiety left as they were empowered, not only living into the power, but they were transformed that literally life, all the essence of what it took to make the stars in the skies, all the birds, the animals, human beings, all that was breathed on to the disciples. The same thing, the same breath is breathed onto you a moment. And think of that moment of creation. Breathe into existence. This planet that we stand on, swirling around in a galaxy. The breath that it took to create it is the same breath it's breathed onto you. When we engage in the word of God, it has the power. This is what it says in Isaiah 55. So shall my word... Be that goes out from my mouth. The word that's breathed out shall go out from my mouth, and it shall not return empty or void, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing from which I sent it. It accomplished that of the purpose and shall succeed in the thing that I sent it for. It has power in life. If you think anything in there, that Jesus and that God, as they breathe in life into creation, as they breathe life into the disciples, if you think it's anything else, it's breathing life. God's word never returns void. I don't know what you're betting on and relying on in life. Maybe for, for students, it's an education. Maybe it's a career path. Maybe it's a successful relationship Maybe it's a certain position. Whatever you're relying on, what is the return on that investment? Right? Maybe you're actually investing your money, and you're investing it hoping for return, and maybe your return is, you're asking for maybe 5%, 10%, 20% at best. And the word of God says, my word that is breathed on you will never return void. 100% return on your investment return on your investment. It never returns void. The return doesn't always come right now and immediate. But it never returns void. Never. Like, I want you to hear that. From 5 to 95, God's word, when you engage in it, not in the transfer of information, but the transformation, the participation of God breathing on you, Breathing on you that it never returns void. And for some of you, it's like, man, I just check off the list, but I don't engage it like that. Because what if you need to start thinking about God's word as that every time you open it, is the breath coming out. Maybe you have smelly Bibles, and that's why you don't want to be in it. Go buy a new Bible. That's fine. God's word never returns void. But as it breathes upon you that it's the same power and the breath that started creation that filled life of the disciples so that we could have this thing called the church and be the people of the church, the same breath, never returns void. And so maybe you're saying, I don't want to get into it because I'm not having a return on my investment. I would rather invest in the stock market hoping for 20% than invest in the word of God and hope for 100. That is, you're walking down the street and all of a sudden you're in your shame, in your anxiety, in your frustration, in that that place where you're about to go to a conversation that you don't want to have, maybe it's with a spouse, a coworker, a friend, and all of a sudden you're just doubting it, and all of a sudden the word of God goes into your life. Pray without ceasing. Cast all your cares upon me, and I will give you rest in this conversation, in this conversation, in this discussion, that God breathes on you even when you're not having your face stuck in the word. This is us. That we believe so much in the power and the life that brings transformation is that we don't come here for information. If you came here for information, you came to the wrong church. There's a couple good ones, a lot of them that I know that you can go to and you can get all the information you want. This is not us. We are a church about transformation that when people go out and they see us, they see us engaging with God's word that literally breathes on us and we're changed and we're different as we go. But maybe you're like, that's not me. That hasn't been me for 20, 30 years, 40 years, five years, five months, five hours. It never returns void. It can start today. My my question is, what are you banking on? What transformation are you hoping that you need to renew your monthly subscription so that it keeps happening? But once you turn off that subscription or turn off that job or whatever you want, everything falls apart. Because what they actually what you're doing and what we're doing and engaging in is awesome is being conformed, then transformed. We're often being conformed by the things around us that we're seeking after in order to stay in that situation and stay in that place so that we might still be what we hope to be. And so we get into conformity instead of transformation. Instead of being transformed by the word of God, we are conformed to the ways of this world, the ways of things around you. And this is what the power of God has done in and through us as a church, as a covenant church. It's the reason that we started this experiment over uh, 150 years ago that says, where is it written? Where is it written so that my life will be changed? It's a group of common people Getting together around the word, believing that as they engaged in it, they would transform themselves and each other and go out and then transform the world. That they believed that the Word of God would breathe on them and then we would breathe on others and transform. That they said that like Jesus said, that the same power that was that raised Christ to death from death is in you. The same power, church, the same power. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is in you. The Holy Spirit, which breathed life into all creation, is in you. The Holy Spirit that was breathed upon Pentecost, that allowed everybody to speak every known language and to be understanding it, is in you. And when you walk out these doors, the hope of the church, the covenant church, us as a church, is that when we breathe on people that the same power that raised Christ from the dead that has transformed our lives would be transforming others. This is what gives me goosebumps. This is what I dream about. And I pray for that we be people that don't just gather information That cast off that idolatry. That if you know more, you're more important. That if you know more, you're closer to God. Let that die. Crucify it at the cross where Jesus died for that idolatry. Because as Mark said, it whew, you catching me preaching? Um, when I was working here at Cascades Covenant Camp, I just finished my first year at North Park. Ash and I started dating in May. And then we decided to spend the summer apart at different camps. And the way that we wanted to continue to bud our relationships was old-fashioned. We wrote letters. We wrote letters that went back and forth from Wisconsin, from Geneva, Wisconsin, to Yelm, Washington. Telling everything that had gone on, telling everything that was going on. And in those, sharing our days with the things that we loved, we missed about one another. And those moments as I—I'm the best husband in the world. Um, Because for Valentine's Day, I bound it all together and gave it to her, the love letters of us. And we read things. And I'm telling you, every time I go back in it and I read it, every time I step back on Cascades Camp, I know exactly where I was when I wrote that letter to her, and I know exactly where I was when I read it together. And then the same moment that we go in and we read those together, we are transformed and reminded of how much we love each other. What in the world are we doing if the same love letter that God wrote to you, His love story about who you are and His redemption to you, if you're not transformed by it, what are you doing? What are we doing? If the love letters that you write to your spouse or to one another or the dream boat you dream about is more important and transforms your heart more than the words of God who breathes life into you and the power into you that never returns void. Oh my goodness! Because I read that those love letters and I have failed. A thousand times, my words that I wrote in those letters to Ashley have failed a thousand times, and have returned void to her many times. But the word of God never does. Maybe you didn't get it. In it, be reminded of how much God loves you. It is for you. Has breathed life onto you. Maybe you're saying this life of faith doesn't mean anything. It's because you, all you care about is information. You need to be changed by the love that does everything that you could dare dream, ask, or imagine. This is us. That every time we come back, I pray. This is what I pray. That every time, not in here, just in church, But every time that we get into the Word of God, every time that you put your face in this, every time that you go out and you experience the Holy Spirit and He breathes upon you, every time God walks and talks with you, my prayer is that we have this Moses moment, that we come down from our mountain experience of wherever it is, in our prayer closet, in your house here, and that we go out and we glow. Because Moses' physical body and face was transformed. It was so blind that they couldn't look at him because the goodness of Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit shone upon him, and he was transformed. I'm going to say this one last time. Everybody that I meet, everybody that I read and experience, and I can't wait to meet in heaven, every one of them that met God and experienced God, the Holy Spirit, were transformed. And if you're not, I have no idea what you're doing here. But join us on this journey and find out what it looks like for your life to be transformed, to glow, to shine. Because Jesus loves you and wrote a love letter about it. Let's pray. It never returns void. Oh my goodness. Father, it never returns void. I put my trust in so many things. Every one of them fail me. And for some reason, that expectation of failure, I cast upon you. I don't know where all of us are at, God. You see exactly where we are. And you know the people that expect you to fail. But God, you have never failed. You won't. You can't. It's not who you are. If you can breathe in life and creation into this very existence, you can't fail. You looked at everything and you saw it was good. There was no imperfection. There's no, when you look at us, God, you say it is good. There is nothing. It's nothing you can't fix. Maybe there's someone here today that you know that hasn't experienced this transformation this love because they don't know if it's true they've been trying to figure out a lot about you they could pass the test the pop quiz man maybe if that's you you just need to say God could you breathe the same power created stars and galaxies and raised a dead man from life. Breathe that on me. Breathe it on me today. I give up trying to do it on my own. I give up trying to get the checklist. I give up trying to do it on my own. I can't. I messed up too many times. But you, Jesus. Breathe the same breath in my heart give up. I've done it too much. I've tried too hard. I'm at my last resort. It's your breath. So I surrender everything that I am to you, asking that you breathe life into me. Maybe that's the prayer you pray and the conviction that you stand by, saying, I surrender all. All to Jesus, I surrender. Breathe the breath of life on me. Holy Spirit, we ask this in your very present, present name.